Well, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to week seven of this uh, incredibly life-changing series if you not just hear this series, but actually put it into practice. Uh, Jesus is really clear after his Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you hear these things and you don't do anything about it, it's like hearing is building a sandy foundation. Hearing and doing builds a solid foundation. Jane and I are in the middle of building a house right now, and we had to put a lot of effort into the foundation, make sure the foundation was right. It felt like it took forever, but you got to take time on the foundation in order for everything else to work. And hearing and doing is developing an incredible foundation. Today we are in week seven. This has been a fantastic summer series for us. Initially when I uh, was led to do this series, I thought I was going to be talking more about practical relationship advice, but what it's been is it's really turned into more of uh, a personal walk with Christ, walking by the Spirit. And if we will learn to walk by the Spirit and have a supernaturally changed heart, that changes the rest of our relationships or it gives us the bedrock to give us the best chance at healthy uh, relationships. Today, we're going to talk about a subject that I know is um, difficult for me. Uh, in fact, every single one of these I've preached on have been difficult for me. Uh, they're probably difficult for you guys. Uh, but, but this is an opportunity for us to iron sharpen iron. And sometimes there's sparks that fly when we're going through the sharpening process. But today we get to talk about this beautiful word that everybody loves to talk about. Everybody loves to grow in. In fact, you're saying already, get to the point. What is it? Well, it's patience. And you're already impatient wanting to know what we're talking about. Patience is a virtue. It's just nobody has time for it. Everybody wants patience. In fact, we want people to be patient with us, but it is very hard to, to reciprocate on that same kind of patience when we're waiting on others. But here's the deal about patience. If we, if we can allow the Holy Spirit to develop this in our heart, and from that epicenter begin to lead in our relationships through an understanding, a bedrock of patience, it will drastically improve your atmosphere, your attitude, uh, your expectations will be better managed when you can hang on to this fruit of the spirit of patience. And so I want to give you the, de the definition of patience. Uh, take your study notes right there, and uh, we're going to fill in the blanks. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, sorry, you don't have any blanks, but I'd love for you to take some notes. Unless you're driving, don't do that. That would be dangerous. And if you're watching this while driving, equally as dangerous, don't do that. Uh, but if you're sitting somewhere and you can take some notes, I think these are going to be helpful for you during this week as you reflect on what we're talking about today. So let's talk about patience. Patience is, is, is uh, defined like Some of you thought the video had stopped just then because you're watching this video. And just in that like 14 seconds, you got impatient. You were probably even looking backwards to the sound guy or to the media guy. And you're wondering, oh, great. This is what we get for coming and watching Pastor on video. You need patience. You need what I'm about to talk about. See? All right, here we go. Patience is this. Patience gives me the capacity to bear up under difficulty without giving up or giving in. I think one of the challenges of new Christ followers, of baby Christians, 
One of the greatest challenges is when you feel the sensation of freedom, the sensation of being cleansed by Jesus, forgiveness, knowing that you have a heavenly father who is not mad at you, who isn't tapping his front toe, waiting for you to get home so he can knock you silly, but a a father who waits with open arms. There is this sense of gratitude and, 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 and rest and just love. And it almost feels like everything else is going to be just like daisies and buttercups running through a, a field like Julie Andrews on The Sound of Music. But the truth is, difficulties are guaranteed no matter who you are, whether you're a baby Christian or a senior saint, difficulties are the reality of life. And patience, God gives us the supernatural ability to bear up, to be able to stabilize ourselves under difficulty because difficulties are guaranteed in life without giving up or giving in. But here's, here's the, the challenge. We all want to bear up under difficulty, but here's the deal with patience. Patience requires waiting. And we hate to wait. Patience does not come without a sense of waiting on something, waiting on somebody. And in the middle of waiting, we hate it. We hate it because we don't like knowing. It's it's just built within us. Are we there yet? When are we going to do? Why, why, why? We want to know. We're impatient with answers. We're impatient with travel. We're impatient with people. And I talked about peace that passes understanding a few weeks ago. And I talk about the, the, the fact that peace, usually the, the things that kill our peace and kill our joy are circumstances that are uncontrollable. Can't change them anyway. People that are unchangeable, that we wish they would change. They just, get, they just steal our joy and our peace. And problems that, that, that are unexplainable. And so we have problems we can't explain, we have circumstances we can't control, people we can't change, and we just get so impatient having to wait on them to to figure it out, having to wait for those things to align so we're in a better situation. Patience requires waiting. So this message is more about how do you go through the, the quicksand of waiting and come through the other side stronger? Uh, If you've ever had to trudge through deep mud, it will wear you flat out. And when you have to wait, it's almost like waiting equals waiting, having to wade through thick mud, having to swim through peanut butter. And when you're swimming through the peanut butter of problems and circumstances and, you know, issues, you get on the other side and you're just done. You're just sick of it. And you can give up or you can give in. But patience is bearing up under the difficulties of life without giving up or giving in. And so let's talk about why wait on God. Because the truth is this, not only are you going to wait on people, circumstances, problems, you're going to wait on God. You're you're going to have a moment, a season in life, and it's going to be multiple seasons. I don't want to scare you, but I don't want you to walk out with naivety. You're going to have issues with waiting on God. The disciples had issues with waiting on God. The the, the Jewish people, the Israelites had waited on God and waited. In fact, Jewish culture today is still waiting on the Messiah because they don't believe Jesus was the true Messiah. They're still waiting. And you're going to wait. And you're going to have wildernesses that take 40 days and some that might take 40 years. 
the Bible says that we can understand a better, a better, um, uh, have a better knowledge, understanding, relationship with God when we travel through the waiting. So why wait on God? What are some benefits of that? Well, let's look at these. Take your notes. Let's write them down. Number one, waiting on God. Here's what I think it'll do. If you come with it from the right heart, with a surrendered heart, it will renew your strength because waiting will wear you out. The Bible says, Isaiah 50, a very powerful and popular verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In this scripture, we see first mount up with wings like eagles. In other words, waiting helps you soar over the stuff that might want to sink you. Running and not be weary, there is a perseverance when we wait upon the Lord. His strength gives us perseverance. And then shall walk and not faint, there is a sustenance, there's a sustaining that Jesus gives us when we renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But before you get it backwards, their strength is not just your strength. In fact, he clarifies in Colossians 1.11, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come, but you will be patient. When circumstances and problems and people come, you can be patient. Number two, it will refine your character. You ever been behind someone in line, look, look, you're getting off an airplane and the moment the ding goes, ding, you hear all the seatbelts unbuckle very quickly. Everybody's got to get to another place. Everybody's important on the airplane, but you got the guy in the back. Oh man, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I can't miss my flight. Yeah, like nobody wants to miss their flight, bucko. And you can see a lack of character development when you are under the pressure. When pressure's hot, right? When the steam is built up, you can see whether you're patient or not. People blow their tops pretty quick. And patience and waiting on God can refine your character. It chips away the stuff. If you allow the waiting period to be a refining time, a, re, a, a, re, a refining where, where it burns off just the, the, the self and you become more like God by waiting, by waiting on him. The scripture says in Romans, Paul says, we can rejoice too, rejoy. We can re-engage our joy when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are good for us. What? Yeah, they help us learn to be patient, our trials do. And patience develops strength of character. So not only when, when we are waiting on God, will he renew us with his strength, but then he gives us that self-development, that character that he renews as well and refines through moments where it feels like you're going through the fire and like, how long is this going to take? Number three, it will refocus your purpose. The Olympic gold medalist of suffering is Job in the Bible. Job suffered like nobody has suffered. 
And yet, through the suffering, God reveals his purpose. The only other gold medalist of suffering who actually suffered the most for you, Job suffered, and it was between him and God. But someone else suffered for you and for me, and it was Jesus. He suffers at the cross, and in his waiting to get there, he says to the disciples after an awesome Last Supper meal, he says, hey, come with me. Three of his closest, hey, come with me, hang out with me. And what, isn't it interesting what he says when he's praying and struggling and waiting? He's even asking God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. He goes back and what does he find? <laughs> he finds Peter, James, and John. They're asleep. And he says, could you not pray with me or wait with me? for just an hour, just wait with me. But when we wait, we can refocus our purpose. When Jesus waited upon the Lord in prayer, how arrogant of us, listen everybody, listen close, listen, lean in on this. How arrogant of us to think that a Sunday morning message, I ain't good enough, his church ain't good enough. It's so arrogant of us to think that we get all we need on a Sunday morning. Jesus prayed, Jesus spent time, Jesus waited upon his father. And as you will wait, it can refocus your purpose the same way that Jesus in the middle, he says, take this cup, not my will, thine be done. He had clarity of focus in the middle of waiting. So when we're waiting, sometimes God answers. And sometimes we wait a little bit, we wait a long time, but in the middle of waiting, God may give you some answers to your prayers. And not every answer is the exact answer you're wanting, but here are four, they're not the only ones. These aren't the four final answers to prayer, but these are four answers you might get in the middle of waiting, okay? So while you're there and you're saying, God, when? God, why? God, what? God, how? These are some answers that you might receive. First of all, when your request is not right, God's answer is probably going to be no. Because sometimes we're impatient with God because the request we're asking for is not right for us. You know, it's not right for us. God, kill my husband. What? No. He says no. Easy. Easy. And don't you put it in your own hands either. Put the poison mushrooms down. Okay. When my request is not right, God says, no, no. We love to justify that. We love to justify it by, well, I'm a good person, or, well, I went to church, or, well, hey, I had given the offering, or, well, I serve on a dream team. I deserve this. But when your request is not right, God's going to say no to that. When I am not right, when my life is not right, when there's obstacles in my life, when there's some secret sin, where there's just some character, lack of character development happening in my spirit and in my flesh, God may not give you the answer to your need, but in the waiting, he doesn't say no, he says grow. He doesn't say no, he says, hey, the reason why you're waiting right now is you need to grow. How many young people want to leave college and arrive at the financial status of their parents in three months. And they want to buy the house, they want to get the car, and they leverage themselves into crazy debt, and yet they need a time to grow. They need to wait to receive some of those things. 
It takes time. And in that waiting, the character is, is developed. When the timing is not right, God may say, whoa, whoa. Not like, whoa, dude. Like, whoa, slow, slow, whoa. And so we want to get ahead. We want to run. We want to we get it done. And God's just saying, hang on a second. Just keep waiting. And oh, we're so impatient. But if we'll wait, there are rewards for waiting. But when my requests, the timing, and my character all lined up right, God usually says, let's go. Let's go. And it may not be even at the end of all that process, going where you initially thought you were going to go. But if you wait, if you slow, if you say, okay, God, I want to grow, when the time comes right, it may be a completely different des destination, but he's saying, all right, now you're ready. Let's do it. Come on, let's go. Let's go. God is saying to some of you right now, do not get weary in the waiting. It's going to be go time. It's going to be go time, but you got to grow. You got to say no to these things. Say no to some good stuff. Say yes to the great stuff in your life. Whoa, slow. And then God's ready to say, let's go. Now, what do you do until then? Until you get direction, until you get an answer, until, un until it's crystal clear in front of you what God wants to do. How do you deal with the wait? What is the um, posture? How do you wait on God? You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a certain posture when you approach the queen of England. There's a posture even whether you like him or not, whether you follow him or not, whether you think he ought to put the Twitter down or not, there's a posture that is appropriate when the president enters a room. And there's a posture that we should model and be aware of and chase after when we're waiting on God. You know, hands in our pockets, shrugging our shoulders, being annoyed at waiting, that's not the right posture. You know, we try and teach our kids sit up at the table, you know, sit up straight. There's just something about posture. And so until then, I'm inviting us to learn the posture that we take and we embrace while waiting on God. Number one, when you're waiting, it is very wise to wait quietly. The Bible instructs us that when we wait on the Lord, um, there is a season of waiting quietly. Because when we wait quietly, we lower our own voice and we can hear his answer more clearly. Many of us, our prayer, the reason why you don't like to pray very much or the reason you struggle with prayer is because you're only doing one-sided prayer. You're trying to figure out what to say next. And a huge part of prayer is shh, just waiting and listening. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say be still and worry. And that's our, that's our favorite pastime. Do you know worry makes you a practical atheist? Worry basically says, I'm God, I'm going to think this thing through, I'm going to worry about this, I'm going to struggle with this. And yeah, that God of the universe who with his breath whoosh, formed humanity, with his fingers just like whoosh, put 
stars in the heavens with just like a breathes new life into the disciples and we want to worry. It's like practical atheism. He says, don't be still and worry. In fact, he also you know, doesn't say don't be still and feel that I am God because your feelings are going to lie to you. Be still and know. Trust him. Remind yourself of his voice when you bowed a knee to him, when you raised a hand towards him, when you surrendered your life to him. Be still and know he is God. And as you're waiting, you're not waiting for some invisible force field that just might make you feel better. You're waiting on God himself, creator of the cosmos. Lamentations 3.26, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good to wait quietly. If you've had small kids and you've been on a long trip and it's late at night, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've experienced it a ton of times with my kiddos. My daughter and my son, it is instinctive. They don't learn it from anything. They don't watch it on Disney. They, it's, an, it's an instinct. And the older they get, the harder it is. And the older they get, the less patient I am. But when they're young and they're in the back seat and you get home and you turn off the car, sometimes they act like they're asleep. They act like they're asleep because what do they want to do? They don't want to get up and have to walk into the house. They want you to carry them, right? So now my 14-year-old daughter, like, it's like, get up. Go, I'm not carrying, I'm not having to drag her into the house. My son, he's almost nine, he's still doing it. And he's so obvious, you know. He just, I said, okay, buddy, I'll pick him up. Oh, his feet, you know, I'm so short, his feet are still scraping, you know, the concrete. But they know that if they wait quietly, dad's going to come with his arms. Dad's going to come with his strength. Dad's going to come and carry him. Do you remember back to when you were young and you fell asleep somewhere like on the couch or on the floor and you wake up and you're back in your bed? It's because someone with strength more than you picked you up, put you in bed. And when we wait quietly on the Lord, it's as though we're saying, I don't have the strength to move it. I don't have the strength to change it. I don't have the strength in me to, to take another step. And this is such a beautiful moment where our heavenly father can come in and not say, get up and go. He may have to say that if you're being lazy, but more often than not, he's willing to scoop us up. And before you know it, you look back three years later and say, how did I get, how did I get here? And you're reminded, oh, the father carried me here. In my waiting, in my trust in him, it was good for me to wait for the salvation of him. Are you still with me this morning? Okay. Number two, wait diligently. It's one thing to wait quietly, but we also mix that quietness with diligence. You cannot just wait quietly. That's not the only posture. You have to mix quietness with diligence. Watch. Hope in the Lord. Okay, I'm hoping. I'm being quiet in the Lord. I'm being still. I'm listening. I'm waiting on him. And keep his way. And keeping his way, what way is that? It's all throughout scripture. 
It is diligence to do what he's called you to do. When you're waiting, you do not push pause on following Jesus. When you're waiting, you do not push pause on character development. When you're waiting, you do not push pause on on strengthening the spirit man or spirit woman. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. And, And so keeping his way, we call them spiritual disciplines. And in the old days, we call them means of grace. But keeping his way is praying, fasting, meditating on the Lord, scripture, reading, and memorization, generosity. Some of you are waiting for a financial breakthrough, and I'm not going to tell you, hey, man, send a $1,000 seed into Timber Creek. I will wipe the sweat off my brow, put it on a dollar bill, and send it back. That's stupid. But... If you are waiting on God to move and you're not trusting him in your finances with what you have, yet you're waiting on him for a financial breakthrough, chances are this may be a time where he's, not, he's saying, grow, grow, and trust me by being faithful with generosity. It's part of keeping his way. The scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they traveled around the desert. They were grumbling, they were mumbling, they were complaining, and because they were basically ungrateful, they were even saying, well, I'd rather go back to Egypt and have that whip on my back than have to be out here in the desert. God taught them through a very long waiting period of 40 years. But he sustained them through those 40 years. He provided every day manna for a season, manna in the desert. You know what the word manna means? What is it? That's literally how it's translated. What is it? Hey man, have you had any what is it today? Man, I have some in the microwave. I'll warm up some what is it for you. Some of you have asked that about your wife's cooking. Oh, manna. (laughs) Better step off of that one. But here's what he also said. You can't store up that manna you can't put that manna in the, uh, underneath the, 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 the tent because it will go bad. So this is why when Jesus says, when you pray, you pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a reminder of every day go to the scriptures. You're waiting on God. You do, do not wait f- with manna in your stomach that is 40 days old. You got to go back to the scripture. You got to go back to prayer. You can't wait seven days for another Sunday sermon. You've got to be consistently give us each day our daily bread. And the scripture gives us that hope and encouragement as we wait patiently. And when you eat the word, the book of Jeremiah says, eat the word. You receive the sustenance and the stability and the development of your character that you need to make it through the waiting time. Now, here's something that you have to be careful of. Because some of you might be good with quietness, but you're not good with diligence. Or maybe you're good with diligence, but you're not good with quietness. Here's a thought I want to I offer you. If you are being quiet without having diligence, that will lead to a life of laziness. It will lead to a life of indifference and apathy. If you're waiting on God and you're being quiet, but you're not being diligent through the process of seeking him, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, you're going to get lazy. 
you're going to get lazy. But the other side is, is just as dangerous, and that is diligence without quietness. If I'm diligent, but I'm not being quiet, do you know what that can lead to? Which is just as dangerous as laziness? Self-reliance. So now it's all about what I do. It is a perverted gospel. It's got to be about what I do. It's got to be about praying. It's got to be about reading my Bible. I got to be diligent. I got to be diligent. I got to be diligent. I got to go, go to church. God, don't you see I'm doing all these things? And yet he's saying, yeah, 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 yeah. It's diligence, but also, shh, it's together. It's together. Number three, when you're waiting, you wait quietly, you wait diligently, but you don't wait alone. You wait in community. You have to have people around you that will be there when you need them to be there. There's something about Mary who the angel visited, but it said Mary didn't go around telling everybody, guess who's prego with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> who would even do that? She pondered these things. Guess who's going to give birth to the Son of God, everybody? Facebook status, you know, hashtag Son of God, hashtag eight months. <laughs> she pondered these things in her heart. She waited quietly. But she, she also went and visited Elizabeth. She also had community. She also had people around here. You know, the Bible is full of stories of people that waited and you can eat the word and you can be reminded that you're not alone when you have to wait. After waiting patiently for 25 years, by the way, Abraham received what was promised to him. He had to wait a quarter of a century for the promise that was given to him at 75 years old that he was going to be the father of many, 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 many nations. And he had to go through process of development, had to wait on that. David was anointed as a child. I mean, knees like a camel, pimply face, walking around, prepubescent. And he had to wait until he was in his 30s to really see the kingdom of God come to fruition and be the ruler that Samuel had anointed him to be. Encourage each other and give each other strength. Not only do we see the community of the Bible as divine mentors in our life, but we're called to be together. In just a couple of weeks from now, we're launching back into all of our groups. And we have groups and we're going to have experiences that you need to grow in community. It is not good for man to be alone. And if you're waiting and if you're struggling, if you're going through some junk and you're swimming through the peanut butter and you feel impatient, you feel like giving up or giving in because you are just worn out instead of bearing up underneath that difficulty, you need to get into a group. Even if you're feeling fine, guess what? Get into a group because that ain't going to last all the time. There's going to be a season of waiting for you as well. Encourage each other. Give each other strength. And how are we going to give each other strength if we're all worn out and impatient because we haven't waited quietly and diligently with the Lord? We have to wait in community and help one another. Number four, wait expectantly. The posture of a surrendered heart to Jesus is a life that is quietly reflecting on and listening to his word. 
that is diligent to follow in his footsteps that is willing to be in community the way he designed us. Even the Father is in community as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He models it for us himself. And then we wait expecting. This is gonna happen. This is gonna take place. Can you imagine the, the, the Israelites when, when God told them to go march around Jericho for six days and on the seventh march around seven times and just march? Can you imagine the impatience at day five? There's no sign that the walls were all of a sudden starting to crumble and little, little gravel was, was peeling away and things were beginning to shake. And then day six, they're like, oh, it was shaking yesterday. No, no, no. A lot of those soldiers had to go home to Mrs. Soldier who's stirring the porridge and, and bouncing the baby. And she's like, have we gotten Jericho yet? And he's like, no, we haven't. She goes, well, have you shot the catapults and the fiery arrows yet? No. She goes, well, what are you doing? He said, well, we're like, you know, walking around it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Think of the impatience. Day six. Ralph. Dude, do you think Joshua is like off his game right now? I don't know, Keith, but man, if I march, I've got some blisters, dude. But then on the seventh day, after six times, and then the seventh, and then the trumpet sounds, it was in that waiting that God did something huge, everybody. And God wants to knock the walls down in your life, but are you willing to march? instead of see the cracks happen? Are you willing to keep going even when other people are saying, are you crazy? You're still on to that whole Jesus thing. You keep on being, being expectant that God is going to do something in your life. For since the world began, no one has seen or heard of such a God as ours who works for those who what? Who wait on him, wait for him. All the other gods say, you serve me. And I might think about, if you do enough stuff, I might think about letting you into my nirvana, letting you into my utopia, letting you into my presence. And yet Jesus comes in the form, the very nature of a servant. Nobody's heard of that. A king that serves? A prince that leaves heaven for a manger? And he works for us who wait for him. Some of you, you want Jesus to work for you, and he's ready. But you're not waiting. You're, you're, you're putting it back in your own hands. Trust him. Lean not on your own doing and understanding. Yield and wait. And yielding sometimes means, guess what? Yielding means waiting waiting on him. Those who wait for me shall never be ashamed. What am I doing here? Waiting on God for this thing? Pfft. Is this even real? You'll never be ashamed when you wait on God. He'll sustain you. Wait and trust the Lord. Listen to me, friends. We're close to wrapping this sermon up now. And you need to understand that waiting cannot be separated from trusting and you still be patient. Waiting doesn't equal patience. 
waiting and trusting equals patience. And you can trust the Lord. Think about what I said earlier about the Israelites, the Jewish people waiting on a Messiah. When the Old Testament closes, several prophets have been prophesying about a Messiah who would deliver them. And when the final chapter of the final book of the Old Testament closes, there's a thin line, there's a thin piece of paper that's blank in your Bible. If you're looking in your iPhone, you're not going to find that page. But if you have an actual written Bible, that blank page represents 400 years of silence. You know what 400 years of silence means? Waiting. And they weren't just waiting with things going good, uh, eating grapes and having a good time. They were in captivity. Their, their temple was destroyed. Could you imagine driving down the loop and seeing 17 bulldozers lined up in our frontage road and one by one driving through our building and just demolishing this building? The good news is this church isn't the church, you're the church. And no weapon formed against the church is gonna prosper, that's what the Bible says. But what they experienced, their place of worship, it was as though bulldozers just came in and took away their place. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And they wanted to deliver, and they believed that the government would be on his shoulders. And, and then the Messiah comes, and he's born in Bethlehem, unassuming, in a manger, and they still wait. Mary ponders those things in her heart and she's still waiting and Jesus is eight and he's 10 and there's like no halo. There's no like floating into the kitchen and like, here, here, I'll make supper. And he, you know, he feeds seven with a happy meal. Do you think about Jesus waiting to do what he was called to do? At 12 years old, listen everybody, listen close. At 12 years old, he knows what he's called to do. He's separated from his mom and dad. His, her, his mom, she's going crazy like a mom who's lost her child in Six Flags. And she's looking all over. And she finds him in the temple, you know. She'd find me, you know, banging the mole, you know, doing that in Six Flags. She finds Jesus in the temple. And she goes, I've been worried sick about you. Where have you been? Your father is so mad. We don't know. We were going to leave you. What is going on? He says, I got to be about my father's business. He knew at 12. And yet 18 years go by until he stands in the synagogue and reads from the scroll of Isaiah that the sovereign Lord is upon me and today he's anointed me to preach good news and set the captive free and, and bring hope to the oppressed. Like, like it's 18 years. Do you think Jesus ever got tired of waiting? You think Jesus walked by people in dusty streets at 17 years old and saw beggars and wondering, God, is it time? Is it time? Are we, are we there yet? I'd love to just hmm, reach down and heal this person. And God says, wait, wait. You know what he was doing? Jesus was completely human and completely divine. And Bible says in Luke chapter two, that he was growing in wisdom and in favor and in stature with not only men, but with God. There was a surrendering of his own human flesh that you see he had to struggle with because he was in the garden bleeding droplets of blood, sweating droplets of blood. He dealt with his flesh 
and he was growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor, and he was waiting. Listen, all we know is one moment at 12, we see his birth and we see three years of ministry. 90% of Jesus' life, 90% of his life, we don't even know what happened. We don't even know. It was waiting. We were waiting. He was waiting. And 90% of your life, can I just say, there's going to be seasons, whether it's 90, 10, 80, 20, 60, 40, there's going to be a percentage where you see and you know and you can taste that God is good and see that God is good. And then there's other times where it's hidden and it's under the surface and you don't know what's going to happen and you are bearing up against the difficulties of life and you're choosing, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up because when the time was right, Jesus is baptized in the ministry. The Holy Spirit descends on him as though it's like a dove. And guess what Jesus does then again? 40 days of waiting. Waiting for 90%. Witness. I, I was expecting him to you know, take off his cloth, start slaying people in the spirit. No, he goes in for 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and praying. And guess what he gets? He waits on the Lord and he's tempted by the enemy. And you, just the moment you think your breakthrough is there, guess what? There could be waiting again. Jesus knows waiting. So if you're here today, you need to hear. If you're under the sound of my voice, whether you're here or whether you're watching online, regardless whether you're watching this video six months from now, when you wait, you are in good company. Jesus had to wait. And God has surely had to wait on you too. You're in good company. You know that, 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 that formula, that formula that I just talked about, 10% and 90%, 10% is seen in Jesus, 90% is unseen, but you know what that equaled? A virtually indestructible life. If you will allow the times of waiting to be times where you're quiet and diligent and in a crowd and expectant for God to be who he is, you can live a virtually indestructible life and bear up under any difficulty that faces your way. Sickness comes, it's tough. You're going to pray for healing, but you will be indestructible on this side of heaven because you will know, hey, I know a God that whether he heals on this side of heaven or not, he's a good God. He wants good things for his children, and I'm going to lean into him regardless of the outcome. I'm going to grow in this, and you will have a virtually indestructible life. It's like the iceberg. You see this glacier? What a, what a beautiful, what a beautiful image of the majesty of God. I've seen these glaciers up close and personal. Un unbelievable. But most glaciers, you only see 10% of the glacier. When you take a closer look, you see that that ice glacier has a whole lot more mass that you can't even see. Some of you are trying to live the public scene stuff and think that that's enough for your life to be indestructible, but it's in the waiting. It's behind the scenes. It's the hidden. It wasn't the tip of the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. It was the mass that was unseen that ripped, ripped out the guts of the ship. But can I tell you, if you will allow Jesus to develop the unseen parts in the waiting no, nothing that comes against you, any difficulty, you'll be able to bear up under it 
Not because you bite your bottom lip. Not, 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 not because you, you, you squeeze. You're just patient and patient and patient and patient and patient. Because that won't last. What will happen is you release yourself to God and he strengthens you for the journey. Be reminded this morning, the Lord still waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love. Would you pray with me? Just close your eyes right where you are. I'm gonna invite a team member to come up onto the platform right now. So you're hearing me, but I wanna just pray over you. I believe this moment is a holy moment with your eyes bowed, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you realize you've not been waiting on God, the good news is he is patiently waiting on you. And if you're here today and you need to reach up and embrace the strength of Jesus because you are plumb out of strength. If you're asking him, Jesus, be my savior, be my Lord, be the center of my life. If that's you today and you need to, to embrace Jesus today because you, you've tried it on your own and you're falling short, you're in good company. We've all fallen short. If you'd like to make Jesus the Lord and savior of your life right now where you are, so one of our pastors can see you, would you just put a hand straight up in the air Right across the room, put it right up. And Jesus wants to grab your hand and say, you're not alone in this. And Jesus, I pray for every person that has a hand raised in this moment, that they would surrender fully to you, that they would wait on you, and then they will learn the power that comes from you, that they can soar like eagles over the stuff that used to be like quicksand. God, for everybody else in the room now, May we learn patience as we take the right posture and we wait on you. We ask it in Jesus' name, the strong, patient son of God. And everybody said amen.